Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Infertility can be heartbreaking, isolating, and demoralizing. Today, we talk to a special guest... Mighty Mommy's Cheryl Butler about her compassionate insights and practical tips that she shares from her own five-year journey with infertility. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. My name is Dr. Jade Wu. I'm your host, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. So a couple of years ago, I spent a year working as part of the psychological support team at a fertility center. I provided therapy to women and men who were on their journey to becoming parents, a journey that some of them had already been traveling for 10 or more years. As a clinical psychologist, I've worked with patients struggling with a wide range of very real and very deep challenges, but never not even at the cancer clinic had I worked with people who were more heartbroken than the ones I met at the fertility center. They had a desire so deep, so existential, that everything turned into desperation and despair when the universe turned a cold shoulder towards them, and nobody could tell them when their journey would end. In fact, it wasn't just my gut feeling— Research shows that the degree of distress people feel when experiencing infertility is comparable to the distress people feel when they have cancer or heart disease. Infertility not only affects a person's mood and confidence, but it also strains relationships, makes people feel isolated, and often throws a wrench into a person's whole life plan. And even though infertility is common, occurring in about 13% of women and 10% of men, we don't often talk about it openly. Because of this taboo, infertility can be a lonely experience. People feel ashamed or they don't get enough helpful support, even when they do share details about their experience. Sometimes even the people closest to them can inadvertently hurt more than help. To help shed light on this topic and to offer some encouragement and compassionate advice based on her own personal experience, I talked to Cheryl L. Butler about her years-long journey to becoming a parent and completing her family. So Cheryl L. Butler is a Quick and Dirty Tips host of the popular Mighty Mommy podcast. After five years of infertility treatments, one beautiful adoption, and seven trips to the delivery room, her family was finally complete. 
her experiences with infertility, adoption, pregnancies, and raising children with developmental delays have helped her become a resource on the joys and challenges of parenting. She's the author of Pregnant Women Don't Eat Cabbage and a freelance writer contributing hundreds of articles on the subject of family and parenting. Today, Cheryl's children range in age from 14 through 26, and she's now enjoying an even better role than parenting. She's a new grandmother. So Cheryl, first of all, congratulations on becoming a grandmother. That is really spectacular news. Thank you so much. It's so exciting. Knowing just a little bit that I know about your history and your experiences with fertility, I imagine now you must be feeling like you've come a long way now that you're a grandmother. Oh, as they say, I've come a long way, baby, no pun intended. But uh, yes, when I look back 30 years ago at where my journey started, I always believed I'd be a mom and have children, but I certainly did not think I would have eight children in less than a decade once uh, once we got going. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit, tell your story a little more fully for our listeners. So would you mind sharing a little bit more about your fertility journey? Like where did you start and when did you start and what are the challenges that you ran into? Sure. So I knew before I even got into high school that someday I wanted to be a mom. Then I got married right out of college. I was a new bride at the young age of 23. And before we even celebrated our first anniversary, I was totally ready to start trying for a family of my own. I didn't understand a lot about fertility. So I assumed that once I was ready to get pregnant, it was just going to happen. We started trying about six months into our marriage. And by month two, I was already concerned, and (laughs) no, I'm not kidding. So I immediately began reading articles and books and anything I could find to try and understand what was happening to my body and how I could take full advantage of ovulation. So my first challenge was asking for help. Keep in mind that my infertility journey started back in 1987, so you know that was over 30 years ago. It wasn't a topic that was embraced as openly as it is today. So the biggest challenge, uh, which I'll explain later in more detail, was that I was feeling ashamed. Um, My body was letting me down. And as a person who has always been a high achiever and felt I could always reach my goals with hard work, now that wasn't paying off. So this wasn't something I had any control over. So emotionally, I had to struggle with this aspect of it on top of the physical aspect of infertility. Yeah, that sounds like a lot to take on all at once. So out of all of these stressors and things that you were needing to learn and come to terms with and work through, what were the most difficult aspects of your journey, would you say? When I got into about a year of trying uh, to get pregnant, I decided it was time to call in some help. I started looking for a gynecologist because uh, the one that I had had was retiring. So first of all, this was a big step for me because although I, I consider myself outgoing and a real people person, when it comes to my personal life and you know the intimate part of it and my health, I'm very private. So I decided to take a friend's recommendation and I found a new practitioner. And that, first of all, was the best thing that happened to me early in my journey because I ended up finding the most compassionate, caring, and clinically helpful doctor I could have ever asked for. 
he immediately put me at ease. And although I felt embarrassed that I had to ask for help getting pregnant, looking back on that time, I realized I had nothing to feel ashamed about. But I wanted to get pregnant so badly. And I did feel a bit of shame that my body was failing me. So he helped to facilitate the beginning of the routine and fertility tests, which kept us busy for a good six months. For those who don't know, infertility testing and treatments are invasive and they're basically no fun at all. Uh, Some are physically painful, not to mention you feel vulnerable during these procedures, and there's a lot of waiting. When you're trying to get pregnant, you live from cycle to cycle. And when you realize you're not pregnant, again, uh, you have to gear up for another month of trying and waiting. It's a real emotional roller coaster. Yeah, it does really sound like that. And it sounds like you have to do a lot of emotional work to cope with each month as you find out that you're not pregnant again. And then you have to pick yourself right back up to continue the treatments and the testing and all of that. That's exactly it. You you have to keep starting from square one. You're cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it must be so hard to strike that balance between keeping up the hope that you need to keep going, but also not maybe not letting yourself get too hopeful so that you're more disappointed again. Absolutely. It is a balance. I was young. I'm not comfortable talking to um other people about this that I don't know very well. So I had a very limited scope of of people close to me that even knew we were going through this. So a lot of it, I internalized all by myself, or it was just between my husband and I. So it, it can drain your relationship. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did this all affect your life and relationships? Well, that is a great question, because infertility, it's something that's with you 24-7. As I mentioned, you live cycle to cycle, so wondering if, could this be the month I finally get pregnant? It's always on the back of your mind. Trying to conceive can definitely take a toll on your relationships and your marriage. I really was lucky in the respect that my husband was such an optimist. No matter how many times we had negative pregnancy results, he was always so supportive and positive, and he'd say, Cheryl, it's going to happen eventually. It's just not, not meant to be this month. I can't tell you how much that helped me throughout those five years that we endured this journey because he really, he carried around invisible (laughs) pom-poms most months. Mm. And looking back on it, I really, I needed that support then. And I, and I appreciate it probably more now than I did back then. But, you know, to be quite blunt, trying to get pregnant, it just can put a crimp on your sex life. Um, I'll be equally as candid in saying it becomes a chore. (laughs) The spontaneity is gone because you have to work with charts and, different parts of your cycle and you just, you know, you want to focus on maximizing your fertile time and, oh, you know, it just gets draining. But beside the physical and emotional letdowns that you face when you're trying to conceive, another aspect is trying not to fall apart every time you learn that a friend or a family member or a coworker is pregnant. And the minute you want to become pregnant and you can't, it seems like you see pregnant women everywhere. <laughs> so we kept our quest to get pregnant very private for the first four years, I'd say. I had seen other couples who were openly struggling with infertility, and they were constantly bombarded with well-intended questions from people about how's it going, any news yet, uh, do you know what's wrong with you? Uh, so in my opinion, those questions are not helpful. And One of the worst pieces of advice that many infertile couples hear is 
relax and stop trying so hard. I mean, I just wanted no part of that. So only our immediate family members and very, very best friends knew. It's definitely helpful if you can surround yourself with the cheerleader type of friends, um, not those inquisitive minds that are curious about what's going on. This is such a delicate part of your life, and you don't need the Eeyores and naysayers. You, you need people to lift you up because every month you're going through this, and it, it just doesn't go away. As I said before, it's a cycle-to-cycle a -cycle event, so you, you need to have all positive um, things in, in place for you to make it through the next round. Yeah, it seems like you kind of have to be very proactive and very uh, creative and take a lot of initiative to help yourself cope because it is always in the back of your mind and it, you are always somewhere on that roller coaster. So throughout all this process, what would you say was the most helpful coping strategy? One, as difficult as it was for me to ask for help, I finally got a referral to a therapist that had a lot of experience helping infertile couples and also dealing with couples that were going through adoption. Our diagnosis was very frustrating because it was unexplained infertility. So after months of testing, they could find nothing wrong with either myself or my husband. This was super frustrating because it was almost like you wanted them to find something because then maybe they could work on fixing it. But there was no medical reason that we shouldn't have conceived. Really, there was not a lot we could do unless we wanted to dive into um, the big guns, which were IUI, which is an intrauterine insemination, or one that most people are familiar with is IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. Again, 30 years ago, insurance wouldn't even touch infertility treatments. So they were very costly. And not to mention, the procedures themselves were very involved, physically uncomfortable, and super inconvenient because you had to schedule your whole life around all the hormonal components to all of these treatments each month. So I started meeting with a therapist twice a month for a couple of years, and she armed me with some wonderful tools um, that kept me grounded. And one of them was actually very simple, and to this day, I still use it, and it was just the art of um, visualization. So just by quieting my mind and focusing on the end result that I was trying to achieve, which was having a baby, I was able to put myself in a positive state rather quickly. I just close my eyes and I do something like picture myself sitting in a nursery, rocking and feeding my new baby, or I'd even jump ahead to watching myself in the park, um, pushing my child on a swing. You know, I envisioned all the details. I, you know, I smelled the summer grass when we were outside, you know, blowing bubbles and, and then how my baby would smell. And I could hear those like little sweet baby coos and what those would sound like. And even how my husband would look at me when I was feeding the baby. Those um, moments of visualization, they always lifted my spirits and they kept me moving forward. And then during therapy, we basically uncovered a very pivotal uh, moment for me. And that was, although I really wanted to get pregnant and like, you know, just feel all the, the experiences of a pregnancy, what I really wanted was to be a mom. And it was a game changer because I had had three miscarriages and I wasn't sure I wanted to go through any of that kind of loss again. So it was then that my husband and I started investigating adoption. And there were just a lot of little things started happening that was building positive momentum that we were moving towards a family. And it didn't necessarily mean it would be a pregnancy, but 
we knew that at some point we were going to become parents. So we also decided to move during all of this closer to our families. And when we moved into our new home, the very next day, our neighbors came over and they brought us cookies and, you know, a bottle of wine. And they were just such nice people. And right away within like 10 minutes, we learned that they had two children and that they had adopted a child. And then a few years later, they had gotten pregnant and had a baby after their adoption. And now they had two healthy boys and they were just such a great support system for us. I mean, talk about the universe at work, putting the right people in our path at the right time. So that really helped us uh, get through a lot of tough times as well. Wow, it's it's almost as if their experience was a, a harbinger of your experience, except you then did it a lot more times <laughs> after that. Um, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> wow, it's it's so fascinating to me that a pivotal moment for you was realizing the difference in your mind between g- getting pregnant and becoming a mom, and that the latter was really your ultimate goal. And so that opened up some options for you in your mind. Absolutely. So it sounds like you really worked hard to help yourself. You know, all all of these therapy sessions that you went to, all of these strategies that you put into place. And also you had mentioned earlier too, that it wasn't just you working on yourself, but also getting support from others around you, like from your husband, who was really supportive. What was the most helpful thing that someone else did to help you? Well, other than um, the great rock that my husband was through all of that, the very few friends that we did share this with were great because they just allowed us to just have our feelings. Um, they were sensitive if, you know, someone in our group was pregnant or there's a baby shower coming up or whatever, you know, they would be very upfront and say, this is what's going on. Um, we realize this might be hard for you. How would you like to handle it? Things like that. I mean, instead of assuming or being afraid to ask, they asked the questions, which I just loved because as hard as it was to go to somebody else's baby shower, at least I knew they were sensitive to it. Um, But I do have another special story that really um, I'll never forget. We had a wonderful parish that we belonged to and we got very involved with it. We were meeting a lot of great families and we really felt like it was, you know, a second home for us. So some of those people knew we were trying to get pregnant, but a lot of people didn't. And they, they never questioned, you know, oh, you've been married for five or six years and are you going to start a family? That, that just, people were very sensitive about that. And about a year before I became a mom, I did open up to our pastor about our infertility struggle. I mean, he was older and he was so kind and, you know, he just listened with a full heart. And his advice to me was just trust in your faith. So a few months after that, it was Mother's Day and we were at Mass. That is an extremely painful day uh, for anybody that's trying to become a parent, whether it's Mother's Day or Father's Day, you still, you know, you see everyone celebrating their, um, their children and you want that so badly yourself. So it's a hard day to get through. But in our parish, there was a tradition where the moms were given a pink carnation and I'd been there for a few years, so I knew it was coming. But as I was leaving, church that morning, the pastor that I had spoken with came right over to me and he handed me a pink carnation. And he said to me, I still, I still kind of get teary eyed when I think about it. He said to me, this is a symbol of your impending motherhood, Cheryl. And he said, I have faith that God's going to, you know, bring the right um, child into your, your life. Um, And he said, so you just need to believe that too. Well, 
three weeks later, we adopted our daughter. Three weeks after that mass. So (laughs) miracles do happen. And we laugh now because we say, be careful what you ask for. Because (laughs) one year to the day that we came home from Colorado with our daughter, I delivered our first baby. Exactly. One year to the day. So, um, and then after that, the next um, two years, we had a baby every year. So for that first four years, our kids were, the first four were 12 months apart. So you just never know. The floodgates opened. (laughs) (laughs) They sure did. And that is such a beautiful story. It sounds like this pastor really heard you and heard not only what you were going through, but what was in your heart, what was on your mind. And he really remembered and remembered to give you the sign of hope. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Was there anything that was not helpful, like people, things that people said or did that was actually counterproductive? Um, I think sometimes when an insensitive comment is made, most times people really don't mean what they're saying. They're not even thinking about how it comes across. But um, the truth of the matter is, if you're really struggling, you know, someone could just look at you the wrong way and you could just fall apart. So we joined a support group as a suggestion from that therapist that I was seeing. And I thought, wow, that, you know, the therapy had really done so much for me that maybe this would be great because this would be something my husband could be part of as well. So we went in with open minds. And um, unfortunately, that was not a good experience for us because there were a lot of negative people in this group. And we would, we were new to the group. So they wanted to hear our story. And when they heard that we were into it for, you know, almost four years, people were pretty blunt and they said, oh, well, chances are if you haven't gotten pregnant by now, it's never going to happen and um, things like that. So that is not helpful and quite hurtful. So we lasted less than a month with that group. Good for some people if you like that interaction, but if you are more private and you're just looking for information and how you can manage your feelings and how you can cope better, there are so many other alternatives now. And then the other incident was we shared the news that we were probably going to adopt with um, my in-laws. And they were a bit old-fashioned, and they were very curious to see when we'd be announcing a pregnancy because they knew that I had had a couple of miscarriages. So they knew that we were hoping to become parents. 
So we decided to not say anything for a while, but once we really got into the process and we had had our home study and we knew things were moving along, we were so excited and we were just, we knew we were going to be parents at some point. We didn't care if it was two years down the line. Um, We were going to just, you know, and just embrace it and be excited waiting for it. So when we told them, we were thinking that they would be just as excited as us. And the first thing my mother-in-law said was, oh, so does this mean there's no chance you'll have any of your own? Oh, you know, looking back, I don't think she realized how hurtful that comment was. Although that night, I think I cried for three hours. Um, I think she was just searching herself for a way to express you know, they weren't used to adoption and um, they, you know, the other kids, my husband was the youngest of four in his family and there were grandchildren. And so I think they, you know, they wanted to round it off with us. Um, but I will say um, she was practically knocking everyone down at the airport <laughs> when we arrived home <laughs> with the baby. So she was very excited when it all happened, but she just, you know, like I said before, people, I think just, they don't mean to intend to be hurtful when they make comments like that. Yeah, that sounds like it would have been a really hurtful comment, even though she didn't mean to be hurtful and she actually was really excited for you. So you've already shared such helpful things, uh, including tips on how to cope and how to seek advice and support. So just to round everything out, is there any other advice that you would give men and women who are dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss? Is there anything that you wish you had known when you were going through it all? Looking back on it, um, my husband was my biggest support system and I didn't lean on him as well as I wish I had because it was just a different, it was my body and I was kind of, I think it's different on the the woman and for many factors, but he was such a big cheerleader and unfortunately he was the one that would get the wrath, my wrath when I was upset and he was the one I, I could take it out on. But I think they say you do that to the ones that you're closest with. So I wish I hadn't done that as often, but my biggest uh, piece of advice is to try as hard as it might be at that time to live in the moment. Um, and I know it's a cyclical thing. You go from cycle to cycle, but just enjoy the time you have now as a couple, because you're going to become a parent either by pregnancy or if you do decide to adopt or go through through foster children or anything like that, your life is going to change. Ours changed in like one week. I mean, most people have nine months. We had one week to get our acts together, even though we had been waiting for over five years. One week is not a lot of time to get prepared to uh, become parents. So I, I look back and there were many moments that I feel that I let go and that I I wasted. So that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is to live in the moment. And you really finally, you really need to tune into your feelings. And, you know, when I first realized that getting pregnant was not going to be easy for me, I just kind of tried to ignore it because I felt like, okay, it's going to go away. I'm going to figure this out. But I really was burying something under the carpet because I was in so much pain. But if I had to do it over again, or if I could give advice to people that are going through this now, um, it's great if you can to just be and just feel, feel that it's okay to be hurt. It is painful and you are going to cry and um, it's not 
a lot of times infertility, it's, it's a journey. I mean, ours was probably longer than most, but if you're in it for a few months or a year or so, um, it's okay to, to feel, you know, I, I had those feelings of jealousy towards um, other people or, you know, why not me? So I think it's healthier to address that and look for ways to self-soothe so that you can stay positive. So for me, as I said, it was those visualization exercises that I learned through therapy and I still do those today, let me tell you, especially with eight kids and with the um, insanity of our life now. <laughs> I, I I check out and go into my own mind and it's a wonderful place for respite. That was when I started doing little power walks. Like I would get up early in the morning at like 5.30 and I would just take a brisk walk. I counted on those almost every day to just clear my mind. And it just made me feel hopeful and it just kept me energized and it was just healthy for both my mind and my body. So, you know, so to take care of yourself is, is another piece of advice. I mean, when you do finally become a parent, you're going to be taking care of everybody else. So get yourself in the habit now of self-care and taking good care of yourself. That is such fantastic advice. I, I couldn't agree more. It sounds like it could be a marathon. It could be not a sprint. So it's really important to take care of yourself, to listen to your body, listen to your emotions and really roll with it and, and work on uh, just being and letting your emotions be. That's such beautifully put advice. Thank you so much for not only offering such good advice, but also for being willing to be vulnerable to share about your experience. I know that there are many people out there who will appreciate this because it is something that doesn't really get talked about that much. So I and all of my listeners are super appreciative of your time, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoy helping people with this topic. It is a sensitive topic, but now there is so much more information and support. And um, sometimes just hearing a story like my story will offer hope to somebody. And um, I hope I was able to do that today. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. I am so grateful to Cheryl Butler for opening up and sharing her own experiences and for offering such insightful and helpful advice. Let me know if you'd like to learn more about this topic or topics surrounding it. We'd really like to share and make this a non-stigmatized topic in the public discourse. So let me know what you'd like to hear. You can reach me on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm at QDTSavvyPsych or at JadeWooPhD. If you'd like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you again next week for a happier, healthier mind. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.